if you're going to engage in a robust community health needs assessment. It certainly helps to already have some experience putting all the necessary people and places and priorities together. CHNA, as it's sometimes called, isn't exactly a new buzzword, in part because we don't usually refer to an IRS requirement for nonprofit hospitals as a buzzword. And the, and the every three-year assessment has the force of law behind it, ushered in by the Affordable Care Act. But if we step back and step into the shoes of one state, North Carolina, it's clear that CHNA can become a mantra of sorts or a call for action, pointing in the direction healthcare stakeholders have been moving in, know they must move in no matter what. How has CHNA become an organizing principle for encircling both patients and populations in North Carolina with the best health and best health care as the overriding goal? Well, that's what we're going to learn about on this edition of WIHI. And welcome to WIHI, an online audio talk show from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. We come to you biweekly and also for your later listening and convenience, we hope, via IHI.org and on iTunes. I'm your host and producer, Madge Kaplan. I'm also IHI's Director of Communications. Today's program builds on a discussion that began on the March 21st WIHI, where we heard from three experts about the legal blocking and tackling and some policy shifts that has brought us CHNI, excuse me, CHNA. Also learned about some new tools and resources available to harness data for robust health needs assessments, and also the types of health and social issues hospitals and community groups can work on together. So we're going to get even more concrete today with the help of three leaders from North Carolina who together seem determined to make the CHNA requirement meaningful and a way to move into the future. And uh, I, this is the moment where I always uh, hope that more and more of you are tweeting or interested in that. And if you can put hashtag IHI in your tweets, that way we can even bring in uh, more folks uh, who follow IHI on Twitter into the conversation. So let me get to introductions. And a reminder, uh, we always have outstanding guests on the show, and they have lo- their longer bios are on our web pages as well as their own organization's websites. First, let me introduce Dr. Dorothy Salente. She's the Deputy Director of the North Carolina Institute of Public Health and a Clinical Assistant Professor in the Department of Maternal and Child Health at the UNC Gillings School of Global Public Health in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Welcome, Dorothy. Hello, Madge. There you are. (laughs) Okay, in your element there. (laughs) I I enjoy this photo. Dr. John Morrow is with us. He serves as the Pitt County Health Director and is the new president of the North Carolina Association of Local Health Directors. Welcome, John. This is Thank a, you, Matt. All right. Nice this, to be here. Okay, great. This is a kind of an, another sound check for us. All right. And Craig James is also here. He's the president and CEO of Highlands Cashiers Hospital in Highlands, North Carolina. He has previously served as CEO of Norton Community Hospital in Norton, Virginia, and Dickerson Community Hospital in Clintwood, Virginia, both a part of the Mountain States Health Alliance System. Welcome, Craig. Glad to be here, Madge. All right. Imitate. Oh, fabulous. All right. Great group. And I'm going to start off with Dorothy, uh, who's been uh, a real cheerleader, I want to say. Um, I'm sure she is in the state as a whole, but she has been kind of my right-hand uh, assistant for this entire program in terms of helping me understand what the issues are, uh, as well as all the really incredible work going on in North Carolina. So, Dorothy, 
for many hospitals, the question of how to go about focusing on health issues with other agencies, community groups, no less, uh, not just do a community health needs assessment, but then develop a plan of action. Um, as we were discussing on the last show on this topic, it can be daunting. It is not how our systems have been designed. So that's kind of, it seems to me, where the North Carolina Institute of Public Health may come in as some sort of convener. So I wonder if we could start there and you could explain to us sort of how this is all working and what role your organization is playing. Sure. Well, um, North Carolina is really um, an interesting state in that we have a, a decentralized public health system. We have um, hospitals, regional hospitals, single county hospitals, um, but we have historically always worked very well together. And um, when the requirements for hospitals were implemented to um, conduct the community health needs assessment, um, there were many hospitals and public health agencies already working together because our public health agencies have been required for over 30 years to um, conduct community health assessments as part of the agreements they have with our state health department and more recently um, because of the accreditation requirements for public health agencies. So this was really just another opportunity for us to formalize our approach to working together at the community level and at the state level. And we had a public health hospital collaborative in place um, for several years prior to these new requirements for hospitals. And so we leveraged that um, framework as a way to advance some of the best practices going forward. And the Institute for Public Health, which is part of the Gilling School of Global Public Health here in Chapel Hill, um, has historically always been an outreach of the school, working in the communities in North Carolina and nationally to advance the practice of public health to improve health outcomes. So it was natural for us to be part of this collaborative, public health hospital collaborative, and really think about how we could take this new opportunity to replicate what had been working well in some communities and see that expand statewide. Um, we were able to um, identify some um, early adopters, as you can see here on the map. Um, who Oops, said we'll, go back to would, the, we'll go back to the map, sorry. sorry. <laughs> okay. Who said that they would be willing to um, be demonstration sites for us in um, exploring the best way to do this collaborative assessment work, and then how could we move uh, collectively forward on community health improvement? Um, because even though we have a strong health in the state, we um, continue to not do very well in terms of state health rankings, and we have lots of other factors, uh, root causes to poor health in the state. And so the um, five sites are geographically spread across the state. Deer County is the Outer Banks, more rural. Um, probably some of the listeners have gone there for summer vacations. Pitt County, where uh, Dr. Morrow is from, is um, rural eastern North Carolina, though Pitt is where our um, ECU School of Medicine and Public Health is situated. Alamance County is more central to the state. Burlington, it's a little bit north of where I am in Chapel Hill. Uh, Davidson County is towards the mountains, and then the Western North Carolina Health Network, um, Craig will talk a little bit about that collaborative. So these were the partners that we worked with to uh, describe how they were doing their work and um, how they were planning to implement strategies going forward. 
and we um, included not only public health departments and hospitals, but other uh, stakeholders, such as the United Way organizations, which also have to do a community health assessment, um, some of our federally qualified health centers, uh, various community partners, including um, medical practices. So it was a, um, a good depiction of different um, communities and different partners working together towards the same result. Okay. Talk a little bit about sort of uh, some of the overriding uh, principles. Um, I would say WHI is not a slide-driven program, um, but I'm going to have John flip to the next one about the balance, it says, with a question mark, and kind of um, looking at sort of some of the conceptual things you're trying to sort of bring about, almost like a shared brain about. So... um I'm glad that you included this because this has been a a challenge for us. Um, You know, public health is is founded in science. We're all about data. We're all about evidence. And we spend a lot of time um, looking at the data and understanding the problem and describing the health disparities. And in North Carolina, we were doing this every four years um, as part of our public health agency work. And now the hospitals... um, need to do this every three years. And what we were finding is the process would be maybe 12 months, 18 months, collecting primary data, door-to-door surveys, using uh, GPS handhelds um, to get more granular data at the uh, community level, looking at all the secondary data, um, pulling community members together, prioritizing the the issues, um, developing the action plans. And then before you know it, it's time to do the assessment again. And so what we're really trying to do is flip-flop the investment of energy, whereas now maybe um, most of our time is spent on assessment and less time on the actual implementation of our improvement plans. We're trying to streamline the assessment and uh, focus it in such a way that we can spend a lot more time on the implementation of strategies that are going to make a difference. Um, What we're finding is that um, it's easier almost to unify the health assessment process than it is the improvement planning um, because generally people will come together to understand the problem, describe the problem, collect the data, and then they want to go back to their organizations and develop their own siloed implementation plans or strategies. And what we're really working on is um, can we all come together to understand the problem and develop the implementation strategies and have a community-wide um, action plan with aligned resources and strategic investments that will give us the best impact going forward. Um, so in terms of meeting the requirements in North Carolina for both public health accreditation and now for the hospital IRS requirements, we're really trying to streamline the assessment process so that we can spend a lot more time agreeing on what we want to do about it and how we're going to invest in resources to get that work done. Okay. And we're uh, flashing. And once again, for anyone who's just joining by phone, if you email info at ihi.org, we'd be glad to share some of these slides we're showing. Uh, here's a, what I'm sure Dorothy would hope you'd think is a more streamlined uh, way that they're looking at kind of driver diagram of uh, how to streamline the process. Before I turn over to 
uh, turn things over to John and talk about Pitt County. Uh, Dorothy, could you just tick off um, perhaps some of the key health indicators that have been uh, troublesome for North Carolina um, over the years and perhaps, you know, right now, and um, maybe where um, you might have even a running start, as it were, uh, with some of these issues in the work that you're trying to do now? Well, some of the uh, common issues that we see year after year in our community health assessments um, are probably similar in other states um, related to high rates of infant mortality, poor birth outcomes, um, high rates of obesity, diabetes. Um, We also measure health behaviors, so we look at physical activity, lack of physical activity, uh, poor nutrition, tobacco use. Um, things that are um, have multifaceted root causes and require, you know, more um, complex responses to address. Um, I think that we certainly in North Carolina struggle with the gap in health status um, between whites and people of color and other ethnicity um, and racial backgrounds, um, and also differences in health status due to um, income and education. So all of those things, I think, contribute overall to the challenges we have in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, as we start to work closer with our hospitals, we're, we're looking at some of the more short-term um, challenges related to hospital readmissions, preventable admissions, um, things like that that are important to the hospitals, but that historically maybe public health departments had not really looked at in terms of the uh, community health assessment and the uh, data analysis process. So we're, we're becoming more familiar with the data that's available through um, some of the hospital analytic um, files that they have. Okay. All right. <clears throat> well, thank you, Dorothy, uh, kind of getting us going here. I'm going to turn uh, things over now to John Morrow, also joining us uh, from uh, Pitt County, the health director. So on your bio sketch, um, I couldn't help just grabbing uh, this line. It, you believe it's time to redesign our country's healthcare system into a system for health. And I suppose that's not so surprising from a public health director. But could you talk a little bit about what's behind it and kind of how much that's sort of fueling what's going on in in Pitt County right now uh, under your leadership? And welcome again. Okay. Thanks, Madge. Yeah, I'll try to do that. Uh, Let me just first say a little bit about uh, where we're at here in Pitt County. Uh, Eastern North Carolina, as as Dorothy mentioned, uh, we have uh, had some serious health problems along with the rest of the state. But particularly worse in the eastern part of the state uh, compared to the rest of the country also. Um, it's it's uh, been said that if you took our region east of I-95 and made it its own state, it would rank 51st in the country in terms of health status. They consider us right now the buckle of the stroke belt. Uh, here in Pitt County, one in three adults have hypertension or elevated cholesterol. One in ten are diabetic, and about two-thirds are overweight or obese. Uh, then there are also significant racial disparities, as Dorothy mentioned. Uh, our infant mortality rate for non-whites is consistently two to three times higher than among our white population. But this history of poor health is really, um, uh, compared with our neighbors to the West, is the, was the impetus for the creation of our medical school back in the 1970s. 
and that ultimately led to the transformation of uh, our Pitt County um, uh, Memorial Hospital into a large tertiary care regional medical center and teaching hospital uh, called Vidant Medical Center today. Um, our public health department uh, grew up right alongside these two institutions. Our health department's been here, our county health department's been here since 1917. And uh, we've always shared uh, physicians and other resources in the community. And we've all always uh, collaborated really to a great degree uh, with the hospital and the, and the uh, university. Uh, we joke that we're often uh, uh, joined at the hip with both the university and the hospital because rarely have we taken on an effort here in public health where we haven't involved either one or both of them in that effort. Uh, we took our public health community health assessment uh, outside our walls of public health uh, uh, probably 15 years ago. Um, and with the help of uh, a Pitt Partners for Health, which is a uh, grassroots health coalition that was uh, is supported by finances and personnel from our hospital. Uh, we've now expanded our community health assessment uh, and vetted this uh, also to the uh, our health improvement plan. We've vetted that health improvement plan both through our Board of Health and through the hospital board. Uh, in addition to our, uh, our usual uh, household and community surveys, we pulled in leaders from the hospital and the university community to include uh, their input into our community health assessment. We, um, all three of us, I would say, are on the same page uh, now. We, we, uh, um, I meet regularly now uh, with uh, hospital CEO, Mr. Steve Lawler, and the medical school dean, uh, Dr. Paul Cunningham. We have a regular monthly meeting uh, to discuss community health improvement uh, initiatives. So. Uh, that part of implementation, we're not just talking about planning, we're actually getting to that implementation in those meetings. Uh, we had a meeting yesterday morning on a, a smoking issue that we're dealing with right now together. Um, so uh, back to your question about the system for health, uh, Madge, we're, we're trying to integrate public health with primary care, and we're using um, uh, uh, community care network, uh, which is the Medicaid uh, management entity for North Carolina. Uh, we uh, were one of the initial uh, uh, innovators with that project uh, more than 10 years ago. So we're using them and, and other uh, entities to help better coordinate care among all of our health care providers. But we're also using um, not just health care, but we're using community transformation, for instance, the CTG grant that North Carolina got. We're also uh, bringing these partners together to change the social determinants of health. And the hospital and the university have, are great partners in helping us build this one system uh, that really uh, creates and reinforces health for all our, our people. Let me ask you a question. If I were, I've got up here a slide that says public health initiatives, um, uh, asthma management, injury prevention, pit partners for health, uh, different, I guess, just different aspects of what's going on, emergency preparedness, vaccine rates, smoke-free campus. Um, I had asked Dorothy kind of what were some of the most serious issues. Um, 
but I guess I'll ask you, where would you say, right, with, with some of the areas that you're working on, do you feel like you're perhaps gaining some traction? I know we're, we're talking about building blocks here, but uh, it, are there some areas where you can already say, wow, we're really, uh, we're on to something here? Uh, absolutely. I think uh, that list that you're showing is our initiatives that the, uh, the hospital had direct input in or helped us with on public health initiatives. The asthma, man- asthma management program, I think, is an excellent example uh, where we uh, involved the pediatricians in the community, the pediatricians at the medical school, and the school nurses who uh, are now under the hospital, uh, as well as uh, our health department staff to, to really improve uh, asthma management. Um, injury prevention, they've really taken the lead for that, uh, the hospital has. Um, other, other places I think where they've really helped us are with our uh, smoke-free efforts. Uh, uh, one thing we didn't mention is Pitt County is, uh, has the history of being the largest producer of flu-cured tobacco in the world. Uh, this is literally Marlboro country. It, mm-hmm. it used to be when you looked out the window of our hospital here that it was surrounded by tobacco fields. Wow. That's changed quite a bit, as you can see from that picture. <laughs> but there's still plenty of tobacco and tobacco history and, and people who grew up uh, in the tobacco business right here in Pitt County. So that continues to be a uh, significant struggle for us uh, today. But But I think we're making great headway. Uh, our hospital campus is completely smoke-free. Uh, the, the meeting we had yesterday, we're dealing with the sidewalk, as you can see right there in front of the side, the uh, hospital. Unfortunately, uh, the campus doesn't include the public sidewalk. So now we're trying to get a smoke-free medical district, which would include all of that area you're looking at now, along with uh, probably a, a couple of miles, uh, square miles, of other uh, physicians' offices and uh, uh, medical facilities in that area. So I promised uh, everyone I wasn't going to throw out any surprise questions, but here's one that occurs to me, which I'm sure you can handle, and maybe Craig James uh, as a hospital leader. So when you're talking about trying to work on, um, you know, making a sidewalk in front of a, you know, healthcare facility smoke-free, or or even some of the other issues like that, of course you're dealing with a lot of people who trained uh, in medicine to practice medicine, uh, and perhaps the where the passion has been is is in curing and uh, treating illness, et cetera, et cetera. So I wonder, just just even for a minute, if you could tell me. Um, what it's like now to kind of um, sit in a room with uh, local providers, perhaps other physicians, nurses, uh, are they as concerned about uh, whether folks are smoking out in front uh, of the hospital? Yeah, it's interesting, uh, Madge. When we did our community health assessment, uh, part of uh, what we did was we interviewed uh, folks, uh, some of the physicians in the community, uh, and it was very interesting to me because I sat in on some of those to to hear the uh, the surgeons and the psychiatrist and everyone uh, talk about uh, how they needed to change the environment mm-hmm. uh, that they could not fix the problems that they dealt with every day they they really recognized that they are not able to fix it uh from their offices not you can't write a prescription to to fix these problems of obesity for instance and and um, tobacco is another one uh, so they they are very interested in what uh all of us can do i don't think they're trying to to just put it on public health 
agencies at least, but uh, they're interested in what all of us can do to improve the environment of to make it a better place, an easier place to make healthy choices. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, John. All right. I'm going to switch things now to Craig James. Uh, Craig, uh, you're representing – no, you're not. But we'll, for, for purposes of our program, <laughs> all hospital leaders uh, in, in North Carolina. Um, but um, you, you, too, also said that there's been a nice history of the hospitals and health departments uh, talking with and working with one another in North Carolina. So I'm curious, I just was sort of trying to pull that out of, of John a little bit. What do you think has changed uh, if there's been this kind of cooperative spirit between public health uh, and uh, the healthcare community um, and sort of how you would characterize um, what it all looks like from your perch at Highlands Cashiers? And I did, of course, also ask you to uh, tell us a little bit about the hospital itself. Welcome. Yes. Thanks, Madge. And to, just to echo Dr. Morrow's point uh, regarding uh, tobacco and, and in a heavily uh, uh, concentrated area with tobacco-producing uh, region that they're in, in addition to the uh, just the health care provider sensitivity to, to draw awareness to needing to make changes, I would also echo that from a governing board's perspective that boards have also raised the bar in terms of saying we need to be setting the examples. So uh, to add to his comment, certainly has taken on a, a whole different perspective. Here in the western part of the state, perhaps the best way I should probably just, by, by way of introduction, describe just briefly where we are in that great big map on the western part of North Carolina. We, uh, we are a 24-bed uh, critical access hospital. We also have an 84-bed skilled nursing facility. We're in a, somewhat of a unique region. Uh, we have a high concentration of seasonal residents here. Predominantly, we draw retirees out of the southeast who will come up here to escape the summer heat, and they'll be here from about May through October. So what that does uh, to us is it changes our, uh, our our service area tremendously for those six months. We'll go from anywhere around ten to 12,000 full-time residents in the winter to thirty to 40,000 folks in the summertime. So from the hospital's perspective, we're very focused on, obviously, strong ER primary care services. We'll supplement that with some specialty services, some of them on a part-time basis to provide local access. But we really focus on a very streamlined transfer process. Most of the tertiary care referrals from here go back to Asheville uh, just because of where we're located. We're about an hour and a half southwest of Asheville, two hours north of Atlanta. Uh, so we make sure we focus a whole lot uh, because we find our seasonal residents really, that resonates with them <clears throat> in terms of access to tertiary services, how quickly can that happen, but also we want to make sure we've got strong emergency services because when they're here, they, they don't always get sick in Florida. Sometimes they get sick when they're in Highlands. Yes, okay. Uh, Madge, to your point about the history of, yeah. of, uh, of this coalition and this cooperative effort in western North Carolina, our hospital was one of the 16 founding members of the Western North Carolina Health Network, which was established in 1995. And it really came together to, to improve quality, to share best practices, uh, to try to gain some efficiencies and reduce costs. And obviously, each of our hospitals independently as well as collectively, as we became aware of the new reporting requirements for the 990 Schedule H as a result of the Affordable Care Act, our board began to discuss should this be something we look at on a regional uh, uh, perspective, uh, tapping into everyone's different levels of expertise. And the interesting thing about this network, we have historically have always had a health department director designee that's been on our board. They'll rotate that throughout the region. 
So as we entered into this discussion, obviously we knew about the health department leadership's role in having done community health assessments. So we knew they had not only knowledge but expertise in that area. So as a board, collectively, we authorized the leadership of the network to develop a steering committee to to bring together both the hospital and health department representatives to talk about doing a joint community health assessment process. Obviously, the objectives were to not only improve the efficiency of the process, but there, sh there should and there were economies of scale that could be gained by doing this collectively. It also gives us opportunity to be on a coordinated schedule between the health departments and hospitals. We each are going to be able to meet our reporting requirements. And I think really important to us was the opportunity to not only address our local community or county-specific priorities, but also to take it to the next level and look at some regional uh, opportunities, regional initiatives. And where we are right now is all of those have been completed for all 16 counties. Uh, now we're developing our templates for, on the hospital side, the, uh, the required hospital implementation strategy so that we can develop our budgets, obtain our board approvals, and then at the end, towards the end of the year, this will be our first time around doing the submittals of the new Schedule H. Most of our hospitals are on a September 30th ending tax year. So, uh, We've moved through that part of the process, but I would say that this collaboration has really, from the hospital's perspective, sort of shifted us from what we call traditional health care to a, a broader view of health or population health. And, you know, that's real consistent with where hospitals are right now because we're transitioning to a different payment system where, you know, the payment's going to be based on our quality outcomes, our patient satisfaction, and we're moving we're going to be moving as an industry away from the, our traditional role, what we call treating illness and performing procedures, to uh, more of a population health responsibility. Uh, I know Dorothy mentioned earlier the, uh, the big focus on reducing hospital readmission rates. But if you think about it on a bigger perspective, especially with what has happened with regards to changes in the healthcare environment related to the Affordable Care Act, we're moving towards accountable care organizations, we're moving towards bundled payment for services, and from our perspective, we believe this promotes or perhaps even demands that we have increased collaboration across the spectrum of providers, not just hospitals and health departments, physicians, home health, hospice, uh, et cetera, because we're really assuming a larger responsibility for area population health with an emphasis on uh, uh, reducing utilization through more preventive services, through more screening services, early detection, lifestyle changes that we've talked about, and really our own individual accountability for our own health. So with that, what we hope to accomplish as a region and where we are is this over the course of the next, uh, or really this the second half of 2013, we will as a region be identifying two to three priorities that we have seen consistently be referenced as, as major issues on the individual county-specific health assessments. And we want to leverage our resources between our health departments, our hospitals, our other partners in the region to focus some regional initiatives on improving health across the region on those two or three areas. We believe we haven't, we haven't, we're still vetting the process of what they will be. We believe obesity will be one of those. And we also want to engage 
the other programs that are already in place that we're involved with in, in the area. Uh, one of them is we have the Western North Carolina Triple A, which, of course, builds on the, the IHI uh, mm -hmm. pillars of improving the care experience, population health, reducing costs. And that's a multidisciplinary group of not just hospitals and health departments, but the Mountain Area Health Education Center, uh, the Center for Health and Wellness at UNC Asheville, the Medical Society of Western North Carolina, insurers, other physicians. Uh, and another initiative that our network's involved in is the Western North Carolina Healthy Kids, and that's a that's a health program to uh, really focus on reducing and preventing childhood obesity. Obviously, we're targeting the schools to help them with standardizing some of their uh, data collection. We're you know we facilitate and help support their fitness and nutrition programs. So these are some of those examples of, of regional priorities that we want to deal with. But I would like to also add what it means on a local level for us. Where we sit here in Macon County, there are actually two hospitals in our county. We have Highlands Cashers, which serves this fairly remote uh, end of southern Macon, southern Jackson County. We're, it, we're limited by two-lane two roads, curvy roads. But we also have what I would describe as another partner hospital in the center part of Macon County. And as we have worked through this process of a local level identifying those health assessment needs, one of the top priorities for our county here has been increasing access to physician uh, and dental sh services. We have a, sh a, a severe shortage of providers in our area, so what we're doing is we're now you know, sitting around the table with our partners at the health department and our partners at the other hospital to look at shared physician services and now talking about how, do we, how can we come together to do joint recruitment to meet those identified shortages in our area. So we're very pleased where we are, not only on a local basis, but also on our regional initiatives. And quite frankly, this has all moved pretty quickly because this started in December of 2011. Here we all fast forward about 18 months later, and uh, we feel like we made a lot of progress, and but got plenty more to do this year and going forward. Wow. Okay. That's so interesting, and it's interesting to hear about kind of thinking about health systems and, and hospitals uh, identifying shared needs and, and working together. Um, we're about to open things up for questions and comments for our guests. I guess, Craig, I just have one last question to ask you. Uh, the way in which you articulate the issues is music to the ears of many folks who have been working uh, on these issues, and I, I hope this doesn't uh, put you on the spot to ask, if, are you a typical hospital leader right now uh, in, in the state of North Carolina in terms of how you're framing all of this? I, I think so. I, I was at another meeting recently. I, I think we're all at different levels along the process. I think each of us as leaders in hospitals, we certainly have the understanding of what the requirements are. And, and, and in this process, what I would say would be different is what our strategies are in, in, in completing these processes. You know, we have, we have the Western North Carolina approach, which, which involves 16 hospitals. It involves different systems in addition, in addition to independent hospitals. And, and what I hear from some of my colleagues is that in some cases they're, they're, they're reaching out to, you know, maybe just starting at their local health departments. You've got what Dr. Morrow described going on. Dorothy was describing a couple of other ones. But I, I would say there are others that are probably just simply looking at it on 
on an individual basis, but uh, to the extent that you can uh, tap into those resources across the region, whatever region you're in across North Carolina, it, it's encouraged. And uh, I know at, uh, at a meeting of the critical access hospitals in North Carolina recently, uh, generated a lot of interest in what we were doing in the western part of the state, and, and we were fortunate that you know we have a, enough history now that we can provide them access to a lot of those uh, tools through our website, and, um, and I believe you'll see other other parts of the state begin to work on a collaborative basis as opposed to trying to do this on their own. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Craig and, and John and Dorothy. Uh, great amount of information. The questions are starting to uh, scroll in here. John, you want to just remind uh, of folks uh, how to participate in the chat? Yeah, just a quick reminder. If you're uh, going to be asking a question, make sure you send to all participants uh, in the send to bar, and that way everybody here in the room can uh, see it, and everybody uh, watching uh, on the WebEx can see it as well. And a reminder that when you log off the program, you can download the chat, and that's another thing. If you're just joining us by phone, you can ask for uh, at the end of the program uh, by emailing info at ihi.org. All right, uh, let's. Uh, we have several questions uh, about mental health. Um, so maybe I'm going to go back to Dorothy and and John on this and say, ask about starting with you, Dorothy. Where does mental health, behavioral health? Um, there's been a couple of questions about mental health and then um, substance abuse issues as well, alcohol. Um, but maybe we could sort of tick those off and talk about where they fit into the scheme of things right now. Starting with you, Dorothy. Sure. Well, I can um, speak statewide. We have a uh, Healthy North Carolina 2020 plan. Um, Probably many states have those adaptations of the National Healthy People 2020. And we do include um, indicators related to mental health, substance abuse, behavioral health, child abuse, child maltreatment, oral health. So we think about health very broadly. Um, And we have... um, different data sets um, available to us. Many times the um, information that we collect through our primary data collection processes will identify um, unmet needs related to mental health or substance abuse services or access to dental services, as Craig mentioned. So um, we do uh, feel like those are critical issues that communities have identified and um, continue to struggle with how to meet the needs, um, particularly from a um, clinical or service perspective. Um, We do have some communities that um, certainly work on prevention um, in those areas, Um, uh, some model programs in parts of the state addressing uh, prescription drug overuse and um, implementing some evidence-based practices um, in that area as well. So Mm -hmm. we do look broadly at those Okay. okay, great. Um, John, anything you want to add at all about that area of behavioral health at all? Uh, I would add, Madge, I think it's important for people with different types of systems. Uh, public health has been separate from mental health uh, for a number of years. The mental health system came out of the public health system back in the 60s, I guess. Uh, we had We had individual, much like county health departments, we had individual mental health agencies in most of our counties up until about 10 years ago when that was changed, and they're now in a local management entity system across the state, which is much larger districts. Um, 
and there there have been significant problems with that. There are a couple of uh, local health departments today that are taking back on the uh, responsibilities for local mental health services. Uh, and uh, just yesterday, our governor and DHHS director uh, talked about restructuring Medicaid in a way that integrates mental health and physical health uh, together okay. in uh, Medicaid. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, thank you very much. All right. A couple of questions um, having to do with um, assessment. Uh, maybe I'll, again, throw this uh, to Dorothy, and we'll keep going around with everybody. Um, can you say a little bit more about how you streamlined the assessment phase? Was it by cutting back on number of indicators, um, cutting back on community engagement, for instance, number of interviews, focus groups? Um, is there anything you're no longer doing uh, that has helped move that uh, process along? And a companion question, which is then, how are you measuring improvement in key indicators across the region, and perhaps that part of the question is maybe uh, that will be um, coming ahead in in the future, how you'll be measuring. But let's talk a little bit about the streamlining. So I think a number of factors have contributed to um, streamlining the assessment process. Um, One in particular is that we now have more hands on deck in terms of hospitals, public health agencies, federally qualified health centers working together to get the assessment work done. So, And we know in public health that we've really had to um, become more efficient given that the time frame that we're used to is um, longer than what the hospitals really are interested in investing in. So we're, we're trying to move our 12-month assessment more to a six-month assessment. Um, so there's there's been just some efficiencies and quality improvement uh, strategies put in place um, to to create um, you know a speedier process. We're also trying to create better accessibility to data um, because we really think that um, researching secondary data can be very time consuming and very tedious. Um, and a lot of the times people who are doing that don't have the specific training. Um, in the identification and use of the data. So we have, um, you know, through the Internet and technology, there's a lot of data now available in the public domain. And we um, use this data, um, assuming that the data sources um, are authoritative, um, much more efficiently than we had in the past. Um, We're also really focusing on data that has currency. Um, So what we are looking at are uh, recent data that also has applicability um, in the present. And one Give me an example. Using, yeah, an example of that. So like using these big data warehouses, um, you know, sometimes the data, for instance, um, used in the county health rankings dashboard, uh, some of that data is really from the mid-2000s. Uh-huh. Um, some of the Census Bureau data is um, pretty dated, but it's really our best source for that type of data. Um, so until we have maybe uh, more just-in-time electronic medical record data, um, we are still using our local and state um, health data that is stored at the uh, State Center for Health Statistics because we feel that's more uh, current and comparable than um, some of these national data warehouses. Um, we also look for uh, using data that we can um, use year-to-year to, year to um, track trends. So we want the data to be reproducible in the same format. Um, so we are uh, suggesting that data sources that have stable presentation 
um, be used um, so that we are able to, as I said, compare changes over time. Mm-hmm. And then um, really focusing on data that's going to um, meet the test of utility. Um, which is the best data that clearly and simply illustrates the point, it's meaningful to the community, it's granular enough so that you can um, implement meaningful improvement strategies, you can compare it from place to place over time, and you can ultimately um, identify and measure improvements. Mm-hmm. So we, we've put some toolkits together. Um, you know, we, we think that in some communities maybe, you know, if this issue has not been a problem for your community, you know, for the last 20 years, maybe it's just not um, very uh, feasible to um, continue to evaluate those indicators over time. They're just not critical to the community's right, right. overall health. Okay, that's very helpful. A uh, question, I think I'll, I'll go back to you, uh, Craig. Um, maybe uh, toss this one to you. Uh, folks are asking about um, tapping in any in, in any way to the faith-based community, community groups as a whole, um, where we are, you ticked off and others have sort of some of the uh, I- very identified kind of entities that we know uh, function often in counties and states and communities. But what about uh, more grassroots community groups and faith-based groups? Uh, of course, that's going to vary quite significantly across the region. I mean, uh, some of our larger communities, I think, have uh, uh, some parish nurse programs uh, that develop some collaborative relationships there. Um, uh, we have that's more likely uh, from what we have seen so far because of the disparity in population by county that seems to be more concentrated towards say the Buncombe Henderson County area the, the service area is about 700,000 but almost half of that uh, population is concentrated there uh, so far we haven't had a lot of discussion about the faith based but I think that's a that, that certainly needs to be integrated into uh, uh, what we call reaching out to our other groups and networks that are going to be supporting our initiatives. Uh, but it, it hasn't come to the forefront for us so far. But then again, that may come out as we uh, finalize what those priorities are going to be and then subsequently what those strategies are going to be. Uh, I think that's where we'll begin to target more about who are the other groups we can reach out to to help make improvement in our community. Mm-hmm. Thank you. John Morrow, let me ask you this. What would be um, some um, outcome measures? Uh, we were looking at kind of a list of things, uh, areas um, where uh, obviously in need of improvement in the health of the population. What would be some indicators that would say where, where you stand uh, with, with uh, how well the efforts are paying off? Uh, well, I would say... Uh in the area of uh, like chronic disease, some of the, the data I mentioned before, uh, our higher numbers, uh, we're looking uh, in our uh, community health improvement plan um, to uh, uh, reduce uh, by 5%, say, the cardiovascular disease mortality in our county. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, uh, looking at decreasing rates of uh, diabetes, uh, um, obesity rates, um, Physical activity, uh, we um, we are getting you know pretty granular data on those things right here in the county. Um, we've uh, uh, oversampled uh, for a number of years now with our behavioral risk factor survey uh, surveillance, and uh, so we're we're finding out who's uh, how many people are smoking. We're also collecting data from 
in-house in our clinics, looking at uh, the folks that actually come through the health department, uh, what are their risk factors. We, we need to do a better job of that, and we hope with, uh, with improved electronic uh, uh, records uh, or information systems here in the local health departments that we can do a much better job of of doing that. Uh-huh. Will um, you be attaching uh, kind of hard numbers like that 5% to, um, uh, to to some of these other areas as well? Yeah, we have actually. Okay. Uh, we've got them all measurable. For instance, our, uh, we, our goal is to uh, decrease our chlamydia rate by 10%. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, we're much higher than the rest of the state in chlamydia. Um, Mads? Yes, go I'd ahead. I'd like to mention one thing related to uh, tracking improvements. The health required to publish a state of the county health report each year in between the community health assessment work and so um, hospitals and health departments and other community partners are working together to publish this information um, and track improvement over time so there is um, some accountability and transparency around um, demonstrating that these approaches are being effective Okay, thank you. All right, uh, don't go anywhere, everybody. Thanks for hanging in. Uh, brief uh, comment here from uh, John, uh, tell you about something coming up for IHI, and then I have a, a couple of questions, and keep your questions coming, our wonderful audience. John? Thanks, Madge. Um, well, and thanks, everyone, for listening. The folks in North Carolina are teaching and learning that improving health starts in the community, and especially uh, to those that follow the framework of uh, IHI's triple aim to achieve better health with better care at lower cost. Next Thursday, April 11th, we'll be holding an informational call for the IHI triple aim improvement communities, a 12-month learning collaborative that starts in September 2013. The call is a great overview of the triple aim initiative and framework and how the improvement community efforts are structured and implemented. If your organization is transitioning to new payment models, becoming an ACO, or starting the hard work of creating coalitions to improve health in your community, we hope you'll join us next Thursday at 2 to learn how IHI can help you develop the tools and strategies to succeed. For more information or to set up a conversation with one of our Triple AIM experts, please contact AAAIM at IHI.org or visit IHI.org backslash AAAIM. All right. Thanks so much, John. Um, I'm going to ask, uh, again, keep your questions coming. Uh, let me uh, go back, to, I guess, uh, I'll start with John Morrow. What do you think has been the most surprising for you as you've been doing this work? Um, you've now been at it for a while. You're perhaps further along than some <laughs> that we're aware of. But what do you think has been most surprising or, and or perhaps one of the biggest challenges? Um, I, I'd say probably the biggest challenge remains to be financing. Financing, uh, we, yeah. Yeah, uh, particularly with the downturn in the economy in the last few years. Uh, that's that's really hurt our local economies um, and, you know, even smaller health departments, smaller counties than mine are really struggling right now because of the downturn in the economy. Uh, so, so identifying uh, resources to uh, direct towards uh, our public health initiatives. Uh, once we identify what we need to do and what the problem is, and then just trying to uh, find the resources to address them, that remains, I think, the biggest challenge. Uh, the, the biggest surprise, I, I guess, I'd say, Madge, is is the uh, uh, the openness that we found with our public. Um, uh, they are very uh, um, uh, thoughtful and reflective in terms of uh, of how much health means to them, 
on a personal level. Uh, what we have found, though, is that that they don't um, they have a hard time um, uh, uh, putting putting health issues in the context of a neighborhood or a community. Hmm. They really think of them on a personal level. Yeah. Um, and so that really, uh, I think, opened our eyes quite a bit when we uh, uh, started doing these things. That's very, very interesting. So people kind of thinking very much about their individual situation and uh, in the same way that the healthcare community is trying to uh, think beyond itself or its own entity, individuals as well. Craig, is that something that uh, you you have experienced as well uh, in the western part of the state there? Yeah, I was going to echo John's comments. He, he, he nailed it correctly in terms of just our economic challenges across the state with, with still an unemployment rate uh, much higher even than the national average at this point. And that, I think uh, as we have begun to identify our priorities, it's like wh- where will we find the investments and, and how can we uh, share in this to accomplish uh, you know the initiatives we're trying to, which is overall improving the community health. I, I, I go back to something as simple as the what we were able to accomplish just by working collaboratively and developing the, uh, the, the health assessment survey tool and the process of, of having the surveys done. I, I'll use my little hospital, very small hospital here. We, we know that had we gone this alone that we would have spent two, maybe three times what our uh, allocated investment was to do it on a regional basis. So it goes back to my point of, of, of not trying to do it on your own. And beyond that, I think uh, then it's just a matter of us coming together because hospital budgets are as stressed as, as, as the health departments are. But I, I just believe we have to come together creatively with all our partners in our community to say, how can we each working together make this happen? Uh, we won't be able to do it alone. John's point is exactly right with, with the economic challenges we're dealing with. So it's got a real financial uh, the push in a way, uh, just yet one more incentive to begin to pool resources and information. Dorothy, is that one of the things uh, no one would wish a poor economy and uh, still trying to climb out of a recession on anyone, but has that turned out to even be a, a bit of a motivator uh, from where you sit? Uh, well, I certainly think that um, people are trying to integrate resources as much as possible um, to get the most bang for the buck and to leverage each other's efforts. Um, I would say another challenge that um, you know we see as a training institution um, and a public health um, school is um, requiring or enabling our students um, to go out into these communities and be able to do this mm. new public health work. So it's not about getting your training and then going out and practicing as a solo public health practitioner, that we are really trying to ensure that the, the new workforce understands that public health is um, – about healthy communities, healthy environments, uh, leveraging business and um, parks and rec and um, medical communities and um, community-based organizations and consumers um, to work together to have the greatest uh, collective impact. And so that's a different, really a different set of skills than um, maybe earlier public health practitioners had been uh, trained in. So we offer um, our students opportunities to go out and do this work. Um, We've had students in the Western Network, um, 
ECU does the same thing. They have students working um, with Pitt County Health Department um, and some of the other community partners there. So we really need to um, make sure that after uh, we are no longer doing this work that we leave a strong, um, competent workforce who can uh, continue to get this important work done. Well, it's a great uh, message uh, to IHI's Open School, uh, training the next generation of health professionals. There are uh, definitely public health students that are engaged in that uh, virtual uh, learning environment as well as uh, participating in um, school chapters. So um, this gives me some incentive to find out more about that, and perhaps uh, we can come back uh, and start looking at, you know, the types of skills uh, students need to be participating in in this new era of community health needs assessments and working much more on population health and the triple aim. Well, I want to uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Salente and Dr. Morrow, and also uh, Craig James for your time. Uh, each of you was very generous uh, in uh, planning with me behind the scenes uh, to get to today. Thank you all our listeners today also for your great questions. A reminder, if you go to IHI's Facebook page uh, after the program, Uh, You might find some additional comments there from Jane Rossner, who helps us out here, and feel free to add your own. Don't forget about tweeting. Uh, Next up on WIHI on April 18th, um, we're going to zip on over to London and take advantage of some research that's being presented at the International Forum on Quality and Safety in Healthcare, co-sponsored by IHI and the BMJ, and some interesting new research about uh, better utilization of patients and families in trying to uh, reduce uh, patient harm and improve patient safety. That info is on the website right now. A reminder, you can download the chat uh, that took place today, any slides we used. Um, You can uh, also, if you will, uh, think about our brief survey. We'd really appreciate your feedback and how to keep improving. By tomorrow morning, uh, the audio of this program and related resources will be available on IHI.org, and you can also find the program on iTunes. Any questions whatsoever, email info at IHI.org. We have a great group of people who help make WIHI possible. In addition to our wonderful guests today, Mike Sweeney, Jameson Case, Jesse McCall, Alan Olison, Vicki Minden, John Gothier, Jane Rossner, Val Weber, and Matt Morse, and our Northeastern co-op, Nicole Wells. We also have some fun original music that opens and closes the show. So it's my privilege to host a program that's about spirited learning and improving patient care most of all. We began this endeavor in May of 09, and uh, we're actually uh, getting up to another anniversary in in May, so I thank you all, new listeners and loyal listeners, for the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. I'm Madge Kaplan. Good day, everyone.